0: Welcome to the Story Discovery Podcast. I'm your co-host, J.W. McAteer. Coming up, you'll hear a new story from our free online publication, Etched Onyx. Please join me and co-host, Melissa Collings, after the reading, when we talk with the author about their work and all things writing and otherwise. The Story Discovery Podcast is sponsored by Scrivener, the go-to app for writers of all kinds. Used every day by best selling novelists, screenwriters, nonfiction writers, and more. Think of Scrivener as the Swiss Army knife of writing apps. You can use just the parts you need, like the distraction free Writing View, or you can break out all the tools to plan, organize, research, and create your work. When you're done, you can easily export to multiple document, manuscript, and ebook formats. Our listeners get a 20% discount by using the coupon code STORYDISCOVERY at checkout. You can learn more at their website, literatureandlatte.com, or just type Scrivener into your search engine. Give Scrivener a try. You won't regret it. This podcast and all related materials are a production of Onyx Publications. All stories are copyright 2021. All rights reserved. Today's story is... Hollywood Forever, written by Jordan Cagno and narrated by Melissa Collings. Settle in and enjoy.
1: Hollywood Forever by Jordan Cagno Roy Ashcroft swirled his drink and for a brief second thought he saw his career caught in the spiral. He was only 33, but knew that his A-list days were numbered. Despite being a bankable movie star at the tender age of 22, the returns on his last projects weren't too appetizing. If he could sense this, then so could the studios. Scripts began to dry up, promised collaborations fell through, and other opportunities all but evaporated into the latest L.A. heat wave. Now, Roy found himself in the office of Howard Tueller, a studio head with more clout in Hollywood than the president has in Washington, Howard was a box office kingmaker. Your favorite actor and actress have probably shaken his hand. This drew Roy to Howard's office. That and a slight push from Roy's pit bull agent, Charles. The receptionist fixed Roy a drink while he waited. Howard himself was running 30 minutes late. It was the oldest power play in the book. Howard's the one with a busy career, after all. With each passing minute... Roy felt his importance diminish. His attention returned to his drink. He swirled it once more and inspected another spiral. Before it sucked him in, he threw the drink back and swallowed it whole. The office door swung open, and on cue, Roy stood up from his chair. Howard strolled in, wearing a nice suit, but a cheap smile. Roy, Howard said. How the hell are you? Howard grasped Roy's outstretched hand with both of his and delivered a firm handshake. Howard, it's good to see you, Roy said. Please, Howard said. My mother and my ex-wives call me Howard. Call me Howie! Of course, Howie. Howie took his seat behind his desk. During his salad days, Roy quickly learned that the best acting in Hollywood takes place during this game. Pleasantries are exchanged, and each player pretends to be invested in the other's answers, at least until they find the perfect opening to insert their dominance. It's Oscar-caliber material. So, what brings you here today, Roy? Howie asked. Aside from drinking my booze. Howie laughed obnoxiously, and Roy mirrored him. Well, aside from that, Roy said, I wanted to talk to you about my career. Yes, Charlie said you wanted to speak, Howie said, leaning back in his chair. That's right, Roy said. See, I've had my eye on a few projects that, for some reason or another, seem to have stalled lately. You know how these things go. Of course. Right, of course you do. And as a person who I consider to be an expert, I was wondering if you could help me figure out my next move. You mean your next movie? Well, yes, Roy said. I still have a lot to offer. I just need the right role to show off my range. Did you have anything in mind? I do, actually. I told Charlie that I was looking to play something with an edge to it. He snooped around and found that Paramount has just greenlit a remake of The Getaway. Ah, yes, we're very excited for that one, Howie said, and then leaned in. Between you and me, we might have locked down Marty for that. Really? Roy asked. Wow, that'd be something else. Now, I haven't managed to get a hold of the script yet, but I did read the book a little bit ago. Oh. Howie, I'm not going to beat around the bush. I want to play Rudy, the villain. Howie stared at Roy in silence. I guess I could see that, Howie said. It'd be a great turn for me, Roy said, like the Joker was for Heath or how Pulp Fiction revived Travolta. I admire your passion, kid, Howie said with hesitation building. However... I'm not sure if you're quite there just yet. I don't want to be too blunt, but the studio will have to consider the receipts of your last film. And there was the shoe Roy was expecting to drop. He ran his lines for this, but for the moment, he had forgotten them. Don't get me wrong, Howie said. I loved Battleship too, but unfortunately, there's not 10 million of me to buy tickets at $10 apiece to fill those seats. I know, Roy said. It's a long shot, but what if I could do a miniseries first? I mean, True Detective has been a godsend for McConaughey and Stephen Dorff. I could prove my range with something like that before making the leap back to the big screen. You could, Howie said, but I don't think you'll be able to get into that type of room just yet, neither. Roy leaned back in his chair. There had to be some other way. I'm at a loss, Howie. Roy said. I'm an actor, but I don't have any direction right now. You have more wisdom in this field than anyone. Please, direct me. Howie turned to stare out the window of his office. He pretended to ponder. It's quite the predicament, kid, Howie said. Frankly, there are plenty of actors in your position who don't bounce back. Their fates are resigned to the sci-fi channel and $2 movies on iTunes. I don't want that to be me, Howie, Roy said. I've got more fight in me than that. I'm willing to do anything. All I'm asking is for the right opportunity to prove it. Hmm, well, Howie said, do you mind if I ask you some personal questions? Yeah, sure, Roy said. Do you love your wife? Yes, yes, I do. Do you see yourself having children in the future? We we haven't fully discussed it, but I believe we will eventually. That's nice. Any chance you can expedite that process? Ugh. Oh, sorry, my wording there was a bit too frank, Howie said. You know what? Forget it. I don't want to force you into something you're uncomfortable with. No, no. Roy said. It's not that I'm uncomfortable with it. It's just that... Howie leaned in as Roy sighed. Do you really think that having a child will help my career? Roy asked. Your career? Who said anything about a career? I'm sorry, Howie, Roy said. I don't think that I follow. Listen, kid, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Are you ready? Roy nodded careers. They're overrated. They're fickle. They can last anywhere between a few years to, if you're lucky, a couple of decades. Easy come, easy go. Do you know what really lasts? Roy cocked his head. Brands, Howie said. Your Pepsis, your Nikes, your Toyotas. And with proper quality control and the occasional innovation here and there, a good brand can last well over half a century. Yeah, that makes sense. Do you have any idea how many fondas there are? Howie asked. The actors? And actresses, Howie said. There's many. Henry, Peter, Jane, Bridget, etc., etc. There are multiple generations of them, and while they all have their respective careers, do you know the one thing people always like about them? Roy was silent, which was good because Howie was too eager to reveal. Their name, kid, Howie said. People like it when they recognize a name. Henry circles back to Peter, while Bridget reminds everyone of Jane, and so on and so forth. Do you understand what I'm getting at? I think, Roy said. Think about it this way. How do you go about buying a TV? A uh, TV? I, uh, go to the store? Right. Howie said, but when you're trying to pick out the right TV just for you, what do you do? I guess I read the reviews or look at the brand. Of course you do, Howie said. You look at the brand because you are a sensible consumer. You research to make sure that your hard earned money is being well spent. I commend you for your practicality. Roy was unsure where this was leading. So he smiled to cover that up. So tell me, Howie said. If you had a choice, would you buy a Samsung or an Insignia TV? I've never even heard of Insignia, Roy said. But you've heard of Samsung? Of course. So because of this, you would be more likely to... Buy a Samsung, Roy answered. Exactly. Exactly. Howie said, at the end of the day, you, like many, will rely on a brand name. Howie opened his drawer, took out a manila folder, and sat on the end of his desk with it. The actor's name is their brand, kid, Howie said. People feel more inclined to see a film if their favorite actor is in it. That's the system at work. Howie's glee lingered, but then soon morphed into stoicism. He broke eye contact with Roy. Howie? Roy asked. What's going on? I know how to save your career, Roy. I'm not speaking figuratively, neither. I know exactly what can save your career. But before I proceed, I need to know that what I'm about to say now doesn't leave this room. Roy nervously nodded. I'm serious, kid. Howie said, if this information gets out, you're finished. And not just in the movies. You'll have trouble getting a job as a fucking cook at in and out capiche? Capiche, Howie, Roy said, you can trust me. Howie smiled at the sentiment. I know, I just needed to hear it. He stood up and walked to the window. As I was saying, we know that people will flock to see their favorite actor, but then we asked ourselves, Would they do the same for their offspring? We did some studies and found that some people don't like the idea. Art school types who hate nepotism. Many were open to it. He turned to Roy. I mean, even if Bridget doesn't look exactly like Peter, many people will still see her movie just to see what she can do. Do you catch my drift? You want me to have a kid so I can advance my career and theirs? This question made Howie laugh so hard he snorted. (laughs) Shit, kid! If it was that simple, I'd have your woman spitting out kids every Christmas! Despite his acting prowess, Roy couldn't hide the offense he felt from the suggestion of turning his wife into a brood mare. (laughs) Sorry, Howie said. That was inappropriate. We have tried that before, though. We let everyone have their own kids on their own time to see if they'd move into the world of acting in an organic fashion. The results are about 50-50. Some of the kids go on to have fruitful careers. And the other 50, Roy asked. They end up in rehab, dead, or worse. They quit showbiz altogether. Do you follow? I'm trying. I know, Howie said. It must sound strange. Howie took a seat and let his chair swing for a moment. This whole thing would be a lot easier if we could just clone you. Roy laughed, but Howie just smiled. Do you know who Ireland Baldwin is? Howie asked. Alec and Kim's kid, right? Roy asked. Yes. Have you ever noticed how drop-dead gorgeous she is? She's a stunner. Yes, just like her mom, Kim, practically the spitting image. Yeah, she definitely got the good genes. Yes, she did. I look at her and Cindy Crawford's kid and think if only we were all that lucky. Have you seen her daughter? Of course, she's a real beauty too, but what does that have to... Tell me, kid, if you could describe Cindy's kid's looks, what would you say? I'd say that she looks just like her mother, probably. Indeed, indeed you would. And how would you describe Ireland? I'd say that she also looks like her mother. Roy stopped himself, and Howie smiled wider. Something wrong, kid? Howie asked. Roy laughed nervously. No, nothing at all, Roy said. Then why did you stop? Nothing. I just, I just had a silly thought. And what would that be? It's, it's just not possible. Of course it isn't. It's not possible at all. Roy let out a weak chuckle and felt human again. Not unless you work in a very powerful industry, Howie said. Like Hollywood. Howie winked. And suddenly, Roy felt very cold. He tried to laugh again, but when he saw that Howie wasn't budging, his brain began to swim. But how? Roy asked. How is it possible to... to... make copies? Howie asked. The notion of it made Roy's mouth go dry. Unable to speak, he nodded. Honestly, I don't know, Howie said. I leave that to the eggheads in the lab, and they seem to know what they're doing. But I can tell you why, if that's what you really want to know. Howie stood and moved to the front of his desk again. After a while, the child actor routine became too unreliable. For every Fonda, there was a Sheen. For every Bridges, there was an Aniston. Try to understand, kid. When the movie industry is already suffering from record-low returns, we can't risk anything remotely volatile happening behind the scenes. So we tried something else. Something that some might find unethical. Howie pulled the folder off his desk and handed it to Roy, who took it cautiously. He slowly opened it to see a younger headshot of actor Jeremy Irons. Howie quickly peeked the photo. Ah, yes, Jeremy, Howie said. I call him Jer-Bear. He was one of the first that came to us back in 1984. He, too, was struggling to transition from the stage to the screen. He came to the studio, and we agreed to help him. Howie took Jeremy's photo away to show a photo of someone else. Or was it? So, after mixing a heavy bit of his DNA with a dash of hers, Sinead soon gave birth to their lovely son, Max. And voila! One career is saved, another is created, and a brand is born. Roy felt the sweat pool near his scalp as he studied Max and Jeremy's photos. He did so until Howie took both photos to reveal a photo of Kim Basinger. Kim and her ex-husband came to us, too. In the 90s, her career was struggling. This may be a bit of a shock to you, but after she bought a small town and walked off a contracted role, she ran into some financial hardship. Her role started to dry up as well, and soon she approached me. I think you know where this is going. Howie flipped the page to reveal a photo of Ireland. Not only did she give birth to this little bundle of joy, but shortly after, she scored the Oscar for L.A. Confidential. Truly a win-win for everyone involved. Howie chuckled at his own joke while Roy was checking to see if his head was still there. Are you all right, kid? I know it's a lot to process. Howie, Roy said. What you're talking about is is human engineering. I prefer brand maintenance. I'm talking about taking an existing product and developing it to its full potential. I'm talking about creating something reliable, something that keeps the audience engaged and happy. In this uncertain world... I'm talking about giving people shelter in a familiar glow. I'm talking about giving them the comfort they deserve. Roy's pulse quickened, but he went dead-eyed. It must have been defense mechanism to keep his brain from imploding. It's like harvesting food. People like apples, right? So if you're a farmer, you're going to grow the same crop that people want to buy. You pick the apples that people like, and then you sow the seeds so that there's more fruit come next harvest. Howie crouched down to Roy's eye level. And once you're in, you're in, kid. You'll be taken care of for the rest of your life. You want that role in the getaway? I can have a contract drawn up for you this afternoon. You want to pursue TV? I'll kick whatever schmuck they have attached to the latest season of True Detective to the curb, and the role is yours. The world will come up Roy Ashcroft, and the system will make sure of it. Howie leaned in, expecting an answer, but Roy still had a question. "'This sounds nice, Howie, but am I selling my children?' Roy asked. "'What?' Howie said. "'No, no, that's not at all what we're trying to do here. It doesn't seem like they'd have much of a choice.' "'Of course they'd have a choice. We're not savages.' They'll have free will. Now, it just so happens that they might want to take a career in film or modeling or, oh, I don't know, being a fucking plumber. But the choice is always theirs. I'm sorry, Howie, Roy said. It's just, it's just a lot. It's a lot to take in. I get it. But if they do want to be a lawyer or a doctor or what have you, then they will have the connections through you and us to have access to the best, the best education, the best opportunities, you name it. If they choose to get into showbiz, we are there for that as well. But if anything, you're doing what any good parent should do. You're securing their futures. Howie placed his hands on Roy's face to hold his attention. I like you, Roy. I always thought you had the potential to be the next Brando. So why not make it happen for yourself? Why not go from Roy Ashcroft, the fading movie star, to Roy Ashcroft, the first of an empire? Roy saw it. The Henry Ford of the silver screen. His future kids and grandkids would be bankable, go through life in a way most never got to experience, and get exposed to the best of the very best. If he was to be a father, wasn't it his duty to do that for his kids? Howie stood up and stuck out his hand. So, what do you say, kid? Are you ready to be fitted for the crown? Roy then saw his life if he didn't choose this. Moving back to the middle of nowhere, having kids he struggled to support, and drinking cheap beer while watching football games on Sundays. He shot up from his seat and firmly grasped Howie's hand. Excellent! Howie said, I'm so happy for you, kid. So, what's next? Roy asked. Well, I'm sure you'll want to break the good news to your wife. We have people that can help you facilitate this news, so we'll set you up with them. Okay, that sounds good, Roy said. Howie walked over to his mini bar and poured two drinks. He handed one to Roy and raised his glass. Roy? I believe this is the start of something beautiful. Me too, Howie. (laughs) Howie laughed, Roy smiled, and as their glasses clinked, not a single spiral formed.
0: You've just listened to Hollywood Forever by Jordan Canyo. And we have Jordan on the show today to talk with us about the story and his path to writing and writing in general. So welcome to the show, Jordan. Thanks for having me. It's good to have you on. Yeah. Hey, the first thing we'd like to do is just give us a little background about yourself.
2: Okay. I uh, kind of started writing when I was about 15, nothing too seriously. Um, in the past, I kind of ran a music blog, so to speak. It was, hmm. um, it was basically just a good way to get free music and again, just use concerts for free. That was exciting. Um, about four years ago, I started taking fiction more seriously. And then gradually, I moved into writing screenplays. And yeah,
0: ever since then, I've just been kind of on the grind. Great. That's so you've fine. submitted stories to a lot of places then, sounds like.
2: Yeah, I mean, so I started submitting stories probably more so within the past two years. For the past, like, prior to that, the two years prior, I was more focused on just kind of getting good, so to speak, or trying to get good. You know, I I, I have a weird ritual as far as getting into writing. I read Henry Rollins once say that his way of getting into writing was um, he'd always just write a thousand words a day. No matter what, he'd always just crank out a thousand, mm-hmm. even if they're terrible, whatever, just go with it. And he kind of compared it to like a workout, just basically like, you know, you're going in. Some days you'll have good days at the gym. Other days you'll have bad ones. But the important thing is you show up and you do it. And ever since then, I've just kind of been dedicated to that kind of crazy routine.
1: You do a thousand words a day?
2: I Yeah, I do about 1,500 a day right now. Uh, it, and that could be journaling or whatnot too. It just kind of, it kind of just gets me going. And it, it's kind of also part of that book, like The, the War of Art, um, where he talks yeah. about, you know, basically every day you kind of have to just get up and get into it go from
0: there. Yeah, the War of Art. That's Stephen Pressfield, right? Yeah, that's him.
1: Mm-hmm. Hmm. I've heard that too. The best way to get better at your craft is to read more and write more. Mm-hmm. The more you read, the more you write, the better you get.
2: Yeah, yeah, and I, I definitely try to do that too. As far as like reading, just I I, I set goals for myself as far as like how many books I read a year. Um, I'm kind of a nerd about that stuff, and list I just kind of try to check off as so I can. And I just you know, it, it feels <laughs> like you're making progress, but so I guess that's what
1: matters, right? definitely oh i
0: get that totally i if i get stuff done during the day i put it on my list if it wasn't on there because i'm like you know I, I need credit for that because i spent time <laughs> on it
1: <laughs> there's exactly. a satisfaction in crossing putting a line out, out on something
2: yeah i remember that show um Cation. there was one line that there that really stuck with me which was he says you know writing is basically giving yourself homework for the rest of your life and i was like that, that huh. does make sense that, that's why i probably am i'm into the list part like okay yeah I did this from that. i can go to bed or go the Movies or whatnot, afterwards,
1: yeah, yeah, that's how you get things done, though. Mm-hmm. If you set those goals, you really get it done because if you don't set them, you may have something that you really want to do that you never accomplish.
2: Mm-hmm. Definitely agree.
1: Well, okay, so you're in your writing, you wrote this piece, this Hollywood Forever, which is a really cool piece. Thanks. What inspired you to write this particular piece?
2: So, there are a few things. Um, one of them was, like I've said before, our movies are like. My favorite form of storytelling. And the number of movies I was watching lately, I started to notice a pattern of seeing how many of the actors currently are stars of, you know, or kids of the stars that I used to grow up with. Like, for example, White Russell is, you know, Goldie Hahn and Kurt Russell's kid. He's in a bunch of stuff nowadays. Um, Dakota Johnson, mm-hmm. you know, Don Johnson and Melanie Griffin. And I was watching, uh, what was it, the Bad Night at El Royale with Chris Hemsworth and Dakota Johnson. And one of the actors on there, turned out to be Bill Coleman's kid. And I was like, oh, wow. So this is like, this is a thing that happened.
0: Yeah. Hmm. Mm -hmm. So
2: it was a bit of that. It was a bit of a conversation I had with a more cynical art friend of mine who kind of believes (laughs) that the, he might have a point, that the only way you can be kind of like a full-time writer without having an established career already is if you you either have like, you know, connected parents or a rich spouse, um, which, you know, There's some water to that. But also, uh, I think I also love The Twilight Zone, so I kind of pictured it as something like that. And I do have an MBA, so just kind of a little bit of that in there, too. I think that might be the only time I've used my MBA for something good. But, yeah, (laughs) that's where that came from.
0: Very neat. That's cool. Well, did you, um, you know, I I find sometimes at writing, when you write a story, you discover things, about yourself through that process. Did you discover anything about yourself as you was are you writing this short story?
2: Um, I discovered I'm pretty, anal retentive about my writing. Like I this <laughs> went through about nine drafts just to get to where I actually felt comfortable even sharing it with, you know, a group or whatnot or anybody else. Um mm-hmm. so I, d- love it. So I so I discovered that. I definitely you know definitely put into work on that one
0: wow so nine nine revisions mm-hmm. do you um what's your writing style when you crank it out do you just are you sort of a discovery writer or do you have a you know the plot mapped out and short stories are probably different than novels but and then go back through and fix things or is it more like fixing the craft when you do your edits or a little bit of both
1: it it's,
2: so you know I would say it's mostly me just plotting it out at first um, usually I have some sort of outline in place um some sort of just like it's like Aaron Sorkin says you kind of have like you know the beginning and the end, and then you kind of just plot points between them and see where you want to get to mm. by the end of it um, so my first draft is complete garbage um it's just mm-hmm. you know <laughs> i I map it out the best I can, put everything into it, and then if it's terrible, I put it away for a week, let it sit, and then I go back another time around um, just second draft, make it just a little bit less garbage, and then you know hopefully by. The fifth or sixth draft, like, okay, maybe I have something I can actually pursue here.
1: When you first set down to write, do you, does it just flow? When you make that outline and then you start the story, or do, or do you start and stop?
2: Um, sometimes it flows. And, you know, with, with the outline, it's kind of just, everything's just kind of scattershot. You know, you just kind of put it all out there. And if it works, I'll explore that a little bit more. I'll explore that plot point a little bit more. If not, then, you know, you just go back and edit stuff, a lot
1: of it. Yeah, you have to. Do you have a favorite part of this one, this story?
2: Um, I think I really like kind of like the exposition points where he's just kind of talking about or how he's talking about how this actor did this. You know, Jeremy Irons had Max Irons for jumpstart his career, how Kim Basinger yeah. had Ireland because of, you know, she wanted to jumpstart her career in some ways. <laughs> um, I, I really like those parts just because I, don't know, I was kind of just doing my dorky research into those parts and like okay what 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 plot points would work here and i was like oh that worked you know, she almost went bankrupt so that's <laughs> why or he was trying to jump onto stage and something like that um so that was like that, that, that was fun and i enjoyed kind of just giving it this kind of mad scientist control to what
0: yeah
1: very cool
0: that is cool that's a lot of fun so when did you first discover you wanted to be a writer or get serious about it
2: um i think I first discovered I want to be a writer when, and I still do, want to be a direct, wanted to be a director. Um, you know, it was kind of one way of, it was a way of storytelling. But you know, when you're a director, you kind of have to rely on someone else's script. So um, unless you write your own stuff, in which case, I figured, okay, well, if I want to tell the stories I want to tell, then that will be the approach I take. You know, I'll write them out first, and then eventually get behind a camera and tell the story that way. Um, I started taking it seriously about four years ago because I think I didn't really know how to do it, if that makes sense. Like, for for example, back in the day, I thought that you could just kind of sit around and wait for inspiration and your great idea will come to you eventually. And, you know, (laughs) after being on the couch and doing, well, not doing nothing, but not writing, I was like, wait a minute, that kind of seems like bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I was like eh, waiting for that artistic muse yeah it's like I'm not going to get struck by lightning and have this great idea so I just kind of started writing started writing basically and things kind of just kicked off after that and
0: we went from there that's cool do you ever go back and read some of the stuff you read you wrote early on in that process and you're like oh boy
1: <sighs>
2: yeah yeah. so like I keep a running journal and whatnot, <laughs> and I go back read my entries sometimes I'm looking for ideas I'm like I had that idea back in the day and then you read through it. Are you
1: looking for a good laugh? <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. Or a good cringe, or like,
1: do I still want to do this?
2: <laughs> you know, so those, those ideas definitely come to mind. But yeah, it's, it, it can be, I'd say it's like 80% painful, 20%, like, oh, this actually seems like something I can mine out of that. So
1: yeah, you, you don't find those good ideas unless you put them all out there
2: yeah and you know unfortunately I, I do kind of subscribe to the belief that you have to you know just get all of your ideas out there and then just kind of weed through the, the ones that aren't as strong and get, yeah find the good one so i hope i'm doing that at
1: least i i bet you are i found that when i when i start writing something whether it's a list or whatever it'll inspire something else mm-hmm. so it's like a chain reaction but if you never start that chain reaction you don't get where you're supposed to be exactly so i think that's a really great thing to do mm-hmm. So, what do you? What is your favorite thing to write about? Do you, your subject is it? I know this one's about Hollywood. You want to do screenplays? What do you see on the big screen for yourself? What do you? What do you tend to? What are you drawn to?
2: Um, is it too cliche to say I'm drawn? Well, it might be a little too cliche to say I'm drawn conflict, but a lot of the themes I've been looking at lately, as far as like what my writing concerns, have actually been about families, about hmm. you know ties, to, and that might not come out in I mean, maybe there's a little bit of family in Hollywood forever, kind of, sort of, not really. Yeah. But I kind of like the idea of, okay, here's a family, here's what it's supposed to look like. And then, you know, kind of taking a step back and be like, wait, that's not really what's like like. Um, so I, I kind of like the idea of yeah. exploring what family means nowadays, the conflict that can happen, the dysfunction you didn't really realize was there, and now you're like, oh, wait, that was kind of messed up back in the day um <laughs> so stuff like that i'm interested in i'm interested in western and a lot of like character development because you know one of my favorite shows is like breaking bad and i love how you kind oh, i love breaking i, I bad. know right i
0: have not seen it i need to so you haven't no people keep telling me i need to and i just haven't
1: oh yeah have you seen the spinoff mm-hmm. better call Saul? Oh yeah 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 oh yeah me too i, I can't both wait. good shows i can't wait for the final season um but <laughs> me too I'm, I'm the same yeah
2: but yeah, no, I, I really like, um, you know, taking your time with the character, getting to know he or she, and then just kind of seeing what makes them tick and how they get from, you know, being a mild manner high school teacher to a meth king empire or something like that. You know, I, I like, I like seeing <laughs> right. the school build for that because I think that takes you along the journey with the character.
0: It really does. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Okay. So screenplays is really where you kind of want to end up. Do you have... Have you been working on a screenplay that's kind of in the background that you're working on? Or are you still waiting as as you wait through this process to come up with that idea?
2: Um, I'm I'm kind of working on a few ideas. Um, I once heard someone say that James Cameron said that the best way to write a screenplay is to write two at the same time. Um, Because that way way nothing is sacred between the two. You can kind of do that whole kill your darlings thing if you need to. It's a lot easier to do it. And...
0: Um, I think Wait, two of the same thing at the same time? In other words, like two approaches to the same story or just two separate stories? Two separate stories. Interesting. Yeah. So That is interesting. And I've
2: heard Jordan Peele say the same thing, too. Like when he was writing, I think, Us, or maybe it was Get Out, um, he said that he would kind of lose passion in writing one of them and then switch over to the other one and then find, oh, wait, there's something I can use from this one in that one. And it just kind of, it's like, it's like when you have a problem and you step away from it for a while and then you're doing something that's completely unrelated to it and you get kind of a solution. So that's kind of the approach I'm taking. I've got one I'm working on right now. I think I've shared a piece of it before. And then another one that's more quarantine related, so to speak. But yeah, I'm just kind of working Mm -hmm. on those two and seeing um, which one gets finished first.
0: That's cool. I like that approach. Mm -hmm. Well, um, you definitely see things differently when you put stuff down for a while, Mm -hmm. even, um, Because I know that you know Stephen King, Melissa and I are both fans of Stephen King's on writing. Oh, it's great! And you know, oh yeah. Mm -hmm. So I just loved. I listened to it on tape too. I love to hear him talk about his problems. But but anyway, but the thing that I took out of that was you know he puts his book away for six months. Mm -hmm. Of course, when you crank him out like he does, that's easy to do. But you know, I thought it does. Even if you would take like a week or two off and you come back to it, you kind of like you just see have a fresh perspective somehow.
1: You do.
2: Funny you mention on writing because when I was editing Hollywood Forever, I, I read on writing and then started editing Hollywood. Hollywood wrap around like the third draft and I probably cut it down by like a thousand words from what it used to be. Wow!
0: Yeah, yeah. that's right. amazing. Yeah,
2: and it yeah, I, I thought it was great because it feels like you know, like you said, every sentence kind of has to just move the story forward in some way. And yeah. I took that approach, and I think it really paid off in this one. At least.
1: Yeah, it, it does. Things up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's a fun story. It's very direct, mm-hmm. and the dialogue is very realistic. I enjoyed it. Thanks. Yes, yeah, it was.
2: Yeah, I, I kind of pictured it as kind of having like a script-like dialogue and I think that kind of, I think I kind of got
0: that one down, hopefully. hopefully. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Cool. Well, um, you in your bio to us, you told us about uh, some of your favorite writers, I guess, and how they inspired you. Could you talk about one or two that were particularly, um, th- I guess, that you enjoy more than others and why?
2: Yeah, sure. Um, let's see. I really enjoy I really enjoy Henry Rollins. I, I like his style. I think he really just puts himself in there and as far as work ethic goes, like I said, he's just you know, he's a machine. He sleeps like five hours a night. Um he does push ups. <laughs> he does push ups to pass out. That's what it, he literally broke that down once. Like I, oh I do, you know, push ups and then I fall asleep. I'm like, all right, well <laughs> game on, Henry.
1: That's a mind that's always at work. Yeah. Oh,
2: yeah. yeah, He he's kinda of like a shark, I think, in regards to that if he just stops swimming he thinks he'll I don't know. Just die or something you
0: know
2: <laughs> um and then i guess i can talk i'll do two last ones and tie them together but aaron sorkin and sam Shepard, as far as like a screenwriting perspective hmm. i really enjoy sam shepherd's plays i really enjoy his dialogue and of course aaron sorkin his dialogue just has like a musicality to it you know it's just it, it's like you're playing back and forth like game of catch like you're really yeah. engaged in it because mm-hmm. like
0: oh this is like really cool <laughs> That's cool. Well, tell, Sam Shepard, I'm not familiar with him. I probably should be, but what are the things that he's done? Um,
2: he's he's an actor as well. Um, he started off as a screenwriter and, or a playwright, rather, and he wrote, you uh, read True, what, True West by any chance? No. Mm-hmm. It's pretty good. Um, it's tying into the family aspect. Yes, it's also a family kind of drama. Um, huh. Interesting. He wrote The Buried Child, which is also great. Um, he's done a lot of great plays. And they're pretty cool to read. So I
0: definitely recommend them. Cool. Okay. Excellent. Well, that's something for our listeners to um, go out and check out as well. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. So I'm curious about, you mentioned your your kind of writing thing is doing a thousand words a day. Do you have like a writing, any other writing quirks where, you know, you have the ashes from a volcano from Hawaii Mm -hmm. that you have to have sitting beside you? I always find it interesting people's writing environments. Mm -hmm. So do you have anything strange like that? um
2: i mean i think the only quirk i really have is my schedule like as far as it goes you know like i'll crack out those thousand plus words in the morning go do my day job come back afterwards eat dinner get back into like explain whatever writing i have in my head maybe watch a movie just something like that and then you know i'm pretty militant and like disciplined about it to the point that i think some people would be like dude what are you doing
0: (laughs) well it sounds like you have
1: purpose i mean that's that's great.
2: Yeah, I think yes, it, I'm pretty driven on, with this thing, so yeah, you know, we'll see what happens.
1: That's awesome. About how many short stories do you think you've written, or pieces of writing? Um,
2: total together, I'd say probably about fifteen. Ones that I'd share with other wow. people, probably about five. But yeah,
0: that's all good.
2: Just the various states of which they're completed. I have one. I've got two screenplays. Once again, not anything I'm sharing until it's like you know, gone through a sixtieth draft. But <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, I've got so I've, I've built up some
0: some work. So see. Yeah. That's cool. Are you one of those folks that listens to music or anything when they write? I know I've heard other people actually bring the sounds of the coffee shop with them like they'll have like an app that runs a coffee shop especially now in the covid days where there's sort of that murmur Mm -hmm. of activity in the background and the clinking of spoons i know but so do you do anything like that or do you need music an album that you listen to or anything along those lines
2: i actually enjoy having war sounds playing in the background while i write just to really put me in the the no
1: way war there's your unusual quirk (laughs) well that's interesting (laughs) I, i was joking but. I was totally sucked in. I totally <laughs> like, believed it. Yeah, that's, I was like, wow, where'd you get that uh,
2: at? No. Um, <laughs> I I tried listening to music while I write. Um, sometimes I find it a bit more distracting because I also love music, so I'll always just kind of be taken in by that. Um, mm-hmm. I do kind of make... I learned this from Tony O'Neill. He's he's another author I like. Um, but he kind of makes, like, playlists for his stories. So at the end, like he, kind, yeah. he can kind of paste it afterwards and whatnot. So sometimes I'll do something weird like that. But you know, otherwise, I kind of just try to concentrate on the screen itself or paper
0: or what have you. But that playlist isn't. In other words, you're not listening. In other words, that's almost like a screen writing or screenplay writing technique. Mm-hmm. In that, you know, there's there's music that goes with the film. Mm-hmm. Is it like that, or is it more that you actually listening to it while you're writing through it? Uh,
2: yeah. It's it's more like uh like the former. You know, it's kind of like I just craft my own soundtrack for it and kind of go with that. Yeah. Um, I might use it during you know the outlining portion and whatnot. Um, just kind of factor into that just for for like beats, you know just basically story beats like okay yeah put the song here and that's kind of what will set the mood for the scene or whatnot Um, but yeah that's kind of how I approach that
1: I'm the same I feel like sometimes it's distracting I can't listen to music all the time but there are times where music brings me into the scene Mm -hmm. I wrote in my very first novel I had this really creepy scene that I wanted to write and it had big band swing music on right so I had to get into the mind of this creepy guy And I put on this music, I dimmed the lights, and I got into it. And so when I walked into this scene with this big band swing music, I was freaking myself out. Like I was getting (laughs) chills as I write, like, this is so creepy. I'm in the head of this guy. So I, and same thing, like when you know, you play songs in different parts of the movie to build tension and things like that. Mm -hmm. But then other times, like you said, you kind of get into it and you're paying attention to the music rather than the, than the writing, but yeah, yeah, using that to inspire you and get you like immersed into a scene is really fun.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's pretty great. That's cool. Well, before the pandemic, did do you write in coffee shops or do you have like a spot at home or a park bench or something?
2: Um Yeah, I mean I, I usually just write at home. Um there have been times where I've just gone to like, you know, Fido in Hillsborough Village and whatnot sat down and write. I missed doing that actually. But yeah. uh Most of the time, I'm usually at home, I kind of like being free of regular distractions. But if I feel like I'm stuck, then I'll go maybe somewhere else and try to see what that does.
0: That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I I can't listen to music when I write. It's too distracting for me. I've even tried classical because I I enjoy a bit of classical, but it's just, I guess I'm like you in that way. I I enjoy the music. If I listen to music, I want to hear it. I don't do it for background, you know?
2: Yeah, I tried classical too, and it just,
0: you know,
2: it was kind of the same thing. It's like, okay, this is kind of cool. And then I was like listening to horns, and I was like, oh, wait, no, no. It completely snap me out, of it, right?
0: Pull but, pull you out of your thing, yeah, yeah right, right. Mm-hmm. Well, same thing. Uh, my kids are taking instruments, and they'll play. And my son likes to walk around the house while he's um, playing, and it's even his just you know playing his songs that he's working on. I just get distracted. You, mm-hmm. know, you know, I hear them, so I have to like go shut the door and be, do it quietly so I don't offend him. But you know, <laughs> he, he, he doesn't have a drum set, does he? No, thank my goodness. No. That's, uh, that's, that's, I'm sure at one point he to wanted to one. Talk, talk about war sounds. There you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's got a violin slash fiddle. He likes to walk around while he's jamming out on
1: it. Cool. Yeah, it's fun. Wow. Being able to play an instrument is really neat.
2: Yeah, I, I'm like, you know, about 90% of Nashville and I play guitar sometimes. So, you know, I feel like everyone and their mother in Nashville plays guitar in some aspect. So that's always
1: fun. You said you do play guitar? Mm-hmm. A little bit. Oh, that's awesome.
0: That's great. Have you uh, ever got to sit in any of the uh, singer-songwriter sessions at the Bluebird?
2: Oh no, I'm not. I'm not like actually a songwriter. I, I'm.
0: Well, I mean, like go just to go watch them. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I,
2: I haven't. I haven't done those. I've. When I did the whole music blog thing, I mean, I was going to maybe two concerts a week in my early twenties. Um, hmm. Just you know wherever I could, and if I got access to it, like yeah, for sure I'll go to a free show. Why not?
0: Yeah, uh, definitely. You know, That's cool. Yeah.
2: So it, it was. It was fun for a while. It definitely was. But you know, get a little bit older, and it's like, oh, first band doesn't go on till nine o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> Misses with your schedule. It's like, oh wait, eleven thirty is when the opening, the, the, the headliner is going on. Come on, man!
0: All oh
2: right. my goodness, man, I'm old now. Yeah. That's true.
0: <laughs> well, I highly recommend checking out the blooper when the, you know, when this whole thing is doable again. It's just amazing because it's like listening to a great writer, you know, when they just talk about writing and the story behind the story or whatever. It's so much fun. Mm-hmm. And same for music. If you're, you know, if you really enjoy the guitar, because you know, a lot of these guys have written hit songs and they're just playing, they're just chatting and they tell you these hilarious stories about riding in the bus or whatever. So anyway, I, even for listeners too, if you come to the Nashville area, you definitely need to check out the Bluebird. It's a really cool experience.
2: Yeah, no, I've always loved songwriting. Like I've always loved storytelling with songwriting. Like some of my favorite artists are like, you know, Nick Cave, Mark Lanigan, people like those who basically just like kind of tell almost full stories within their songs and they are like really,
0: right. really impactful.
2: Yeah, and just, it, it, it's a cool medium too. Yeah, it's nothing i've ever been able to
0: crack yeah
2: never really tried really but no pretty cool
0: well you got a guitar you could give it a try you're a natural man <laughs> yeah, there's, there's all right. I, th- I think there might be already enough people on stage <laughs> so i'll,
1: I'll, I'll
0: plus I'll, more I'll, moving I'll, here all the time yeah i'll, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll stick to my strengths or what i think are my strengths
1: he's got his eyes set for for la yeah clearly <laughs> right so yeah. you want to move you want to move to la you said <laughs> In the next couple of years.
2: Yeah, that's the plan. Uh, essentially, I'm going to try to, you know, and it's all about me just trying to craft and hone what I know now. Um, yeah. I'm trying to get something together as far as, you know, being able to go out there and do it full time because that's kind of the goal is to be able to move out to L.A. full time and write, make movies, be involved in that whole process because, like I said, I love it and it's pretty much my dream job.
0: I think that's, that's
1: fascinating. Do mm-hmm. you have any ends? Do you have anybody there who's, who you can... Get a little in with.
2: Um, I have a friend; she lives out there. She's kind of been kind of guiding me as far as what to look at, how to proceed, as far as um, you know, where to submit stories and whatnot. She's been pretty cool about offering information, so you know that's been pretty cool.
1: Yeah, is it a thing to get discovered? Like, if you your stories out there, somebody might approach you given the right environment.
2: It's a bit weird nowadays, as far as. Scripts go because I've heard that most, you know, the thing nowadays is, from what I understand at least, it's not really about spec scripts. I mean, people are looking for those, but it's more like being able to have a spec script, but also show that you can kind of, with that spec script, maybe you'll fit into this writer's room here for TV or whatnot. Like they'll read the first 15 words of 15 pages of your screenplay. And if it matches the style of the show they want to do, then they'll kind of loop you into that. I'm kind of hoping to do the opposite, in which case I just kind of expect scripts that I get to make that would be cool. Um, yeah. But we'll see. You know, it's, it's all about me just kind of writing it down and whatnot.
1: I love it. I can't wait to see what you where you go with this. That's really exciting. Okay. okay, so you're talking about moving out to L.A., mm-hmm. and I'm not sure where your family is located. So what does your family think about that? What does your family think about your writing in general? I'm always curious. Do you let your family read? It's a lot of things. I'm curious. <laughs> uh,
2: I let my parents read some things. My, my parents are located in Nashville as well. Um, I actually have a sister who lives in L.A. But, yeah, I, I let my parents read certain things. And from what I can tell, they, they seem to dig it. I mean, they there yeah. there's certain, like, you know, more graphic short stories or whatnot where I won't let them read. Because I'm like, eh, you probably don't want to you know dive too much into that read, read too My much into. son that. writes this <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah it's like mom you can't go to see you know your friends it's not gonna they're they're gonna come to the house and pitch and it's gonna be bad <laughs> um Uh-oh. but yeah no it's uh they're pretty supportive i think as far as what you could be doing in the quote-unquote art i think writing is like least parental worrying thing you could do like you, you know yeah. if, if you say you're going to be an actor your parents are like oh god he's going to go to la and just go through auditions and all that stuff um, you know, mm-hmm. but, you know, with writing, because you can translate that to other fields, at least. So I think they're like, yeah. oh, OK, that's, that's all right. Yeah, he can do that. <laughs> <laughs> you can do that and still get another job. he will be OK. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, and you do have a, a good job now. So you're, in, you know, you're in good stead at the moment. Yeah. And my and my parents are. Yeah. My parents are pretty supportive of me and, you know, proud and whatnot. So that's always good to have.
1: That's good. Mm-hmm. That's terrific. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not everybody has that. I've I've heard of a lot of people who don't let their family read anything at all that they write. Oh, I always goodness. think it's interesting. It is interesting. Yeah,
2: yeah. I, you know, like I said, if they certain things probably off limits. Other things, yeah, sure. Why not take a crack?
1: Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, that kind of goes back to your family storyline idea. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, the whole conflict of families and the differences between them. Mm-hmm. Are some are supportive, some aren't.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I'm always interested in the, the dynamics of families, just because you know. I don't know, it's like families can be a unit, but also there's some people in there who can be completely different than some of the rest of the family mm-hmm. and whatnot. Oh, yeah.
0: Well, you know, we're um, we're coming up on time here, and very much appreciate you being on the show. If you wanted to share some writing advice to folks out there listening who maybe haven't yet been published or are still coning their craft and everything else, just kind of like we all are, um, what would that be?
2: I'll give you three things, that's cool. Um, Great. I would say listen to that Hourglass um, does a great quote about trying to essentially get to where you are in writing. Um, he essentially says that, you know, when you first start writing, start writing, you're not really very good. You're not very centered and whatnot. Um, but the thing that gets you into it is your taste. and your, So, you yeah. know, as long as you keep writing and putting out a volume of work, you'll eventually bridge that gap and hopefully be to where you are. And it takes a long time. It might take a very, very long time. It might include moments of self-doubt but you just kind of have to like power through it and that will eventually, you know, you'll, you'll see your potential that way. So to speak. Definitely. Um, That's good. good. I would say, I'd say Henry Rollins, again, his work ethic is insane. It might not be for everybody, but I felt really inspired reading an article. I guess an interview of him in a site called creative independence. Just a lot of great. I pass it on to everybody who ever wants to like, they want to start writing or being creative or whatnot. Um, Definitely Mm -hmm.
0: recommend that. So, wait, that's an article in a magazine or a website or something? Yeah,
2: it's an online publication called uh, Creative Independence. Okay. And then my final piece, I guess I would just recommend that you don't necessarily have to look at other writers for inspiration. Um, I pull inspiration from, like, and just keep going and whatnot, from you know, directors, um, actors I really enjoy, people who are really committed to making the best musicians, who, you know, half of them are fucking insane um uh, definitely more than half but yeah no i just i would say if something doesn't seem to be working for writing at the moment you know it's okay to branch out and try something a a little creative and come back to it um i would say that you know it's there's there's no correct way to approach this you know everyone has their own Mm -hmm. style everyone has their own you know rhythm and whatnot i would recommend just getting started and just seeing what works and what doesn't and then go
0: from there.
1: Oh, that's good advice.
0: Yeah, that's great. That's really terrific. So, All right. Well, we'll leave it at that and just thank you again for being on the show and submitting your work yeah. and um, we're excited to get that published and out to the world. Thanks again. Appreciate it.
1: Yeah. Thanks, Jordan.
0: Thank you very much for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. If so, please help us spread the word by telling your friends or giving us a rating and review on your favorite podcast app. Those reviews really make a difference. We'd like to thank the folks at Literature & Latte, the makers of Scrivener, for sponsoring the podcast and providing an amazing tool for writers. If you'd like to take your writing to the next level and use a tool designed for writers by writers, then give Scrivener a try. What have you got to lose? The Story Discovery Podcast is a free narrated podcast of the works that appear in Etched Onyx Magazine, edited by J.W. McAteer and Kevin McMahon. All stories and poems are available for free at onyxpublications.com. That's O-N-Y-X publications.com. If you'd like to support the continuation of this podcast and or the magazine, please consider a small donation through Patreon at patreon.com slash onyx publications as a nano publishing house we are always looking for new works to showcase if you'd like to submit a story or poem for consideration please visit the submissions page on our website in the meantime keep reading and writing